Welcome to the podcast where this week we take something old, the first Dalek story, and turn it into something new, the Daleks in colour, by adding something borrowed, a nice colour palette from the 1960s, and that's Something Who. So hello, I'm Richard, and we're back with Something Who podcast episode 85, and this time we're lucky enough to have several of the team responsible for the new colour version of the Daleks, shown on the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who on BBC Four and the iPlayer. So hello to Benjamin Cook, Rich Tipple and Timothy K. Brown. Hi, uh, maybe you'd like to introduce yourselves. My name's Ben. I'm the editor of The Daleks in Colour. I'm the person responsible for hacking out all of your favourite bits. <laughs> Fantastic. My name's Richard. I was the lead colourisation artist on The Daleks and I'm responsible for all the colours that you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm... Timothy K. Brown, known online as That's Chroma. And yeah, I coloured it under Ritter's direction, basically. Yeah. Okay, well, look, I mean, I I have been watching Doctor Who for over 50 years. But I think the moment that I trace back to becoming a fan was when I bought the Target book, Doctor Who and the Daleks by David Whittaker in 1975. Uh, that story really grabbed me, and it's still a favourite of mine. Unfortunately, back in the 70s and 80s, you couldn't just go and watch a Doctor Who story when you wanted to. I didn't actually see any of it until the early 80s. They showed episode two at a cinema in Bradford when I went to, to along to that. And I didn't see the rest of the story until right at the end of the 80s when it came out on VHS. So you were left, you were left on a cliffhanger for how many years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it must have been about seven years or something like that. Yeah, as, as, uh, they were still in the cell. Uh, well, in fact, Susan was was uh, in the TARDIS and trying to decide whether she dared go back. Yeah, what absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's been with me a long time. I was fascinated to see what it would look, look like in colour and also intrigued by what it would be like to have a 75-minute version. I have to say I enjoyed it very much. But it did have a different feeling from the original, and, and you know maybe we can talk about that. And on something who we we typically talk about storytelling. I mean that's the thing that interests us. And I guess what might be interesting to explore is how the some of the choices that you made along the way influenced you know how the story is is, is told. And I guess the the first thing to to kick off with was was seventy five minutes an explicit part of your brief? I mean was it was it getting it down to a a specific amount of time, or was it just trying to get it down to an amount that would be watchable? It sort of was part of the brief, yeah. I mean, it, uh, partly with the sort of the, the carrot being dangled on the stick of, well, if we can get it down to to about 75 minutes, we can get it on the telly. Right. For a project that is, it's for Doctor Who fans, it's for everyone, but also we're really hoping we're going to get some of those, you know, we were going to get some of those 12-year-olds and 16-year-olds watching who might not have experienced any classic Doctor Who, who might not have experienced 60s Doctor Who before, it was quite important to us to try and get it down to, yeah, a nice tight 75 minutes. And you mentioned that book, which I should correct you, I should give it its title, Doctor Who <laughs> in an Exciting Adventure with the Daleks, because that is the greatest title for any Doctor Who book ever. And that book yeah. was, was, was part of the inspiration. You know, what's remarkable about that original Dalek serial is that it aired at the end of 63 into 64, and that book came out when it was it was sort of summer of 64 so within just a few months of the tv version it would it, you know there was already an alternative rewriting of it uh, uh, you know someone had already remixed it albeit david whittaker who was allowed because he was the show's story editor and then within another year there was that first cushing movie which again reworked mm. the story hugely again and within another year there was the american comic book which again took took liberties with all sorts of stuff so that so that first dalek story had been, you know, reworked and remixed so many times before William Hartnell had even regenerated into Patrick Troughton. So we were sort of taking our cues from that. So my own fond memories of that David Whittaker book and the Cushing movie and all of it, really. Mm. Rich, how how did the thought of colorizing seventy five minutes was that was that terrifying or was that did that feel like something that was manageable? It was utterly terrifying. I think definitely on the on the terrifying side of things, you know, I, I'd gone from a place where you know I could spend six, seven months on a two, three minute YouTube clip, and um, really make sure yeah. it was perfect and it was exactly how I wanted it to be, to being briefed on this is the this is the execution, this is what we need to deliver. I'm having a brilliant team of people with me. I, I'm very lucky. I think the 
relationship I had with Kieran and Scott, particularly because we'd worked on Day of Armageddon. Yeah. So that we had we had a workflow that the three of us already knew. So that was a bit of a lifesaver. And I'd say even though that project took like an astonishing amount of time, about 25% of it came together in the last year. So we had an idea of actually how this is going to work for us. But there's, you know, even with that, you know, we knew we would need to, we'd need, we'd need a, a fourth person, we'd need the incredibly talented Timothy K. Brown, who thankfully agreed to uh, join our merry band of colorizers. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but even with that, even with the four of us working on it, it was um, it was a daunting proposition doing 75 minutes, particularly at the standard we wanted to achieve. I mean, we could have done a rubbish 75 minutes quite easily, but we really, <laughs> we wanted to set the bar quite high because, you know, we're we're fans of this material. We weren't doing a rubbish. We weren't going to <laughs> There was no way we would be allowed. We would have <laughs> got away with a, a rubbish 75 minutes. We care deeply about this stuff. I'm a massive Hulk fan, and I'm a big fan of uh, colorizing the 60s, just generally. It's what I've been doing as a hobby for 10 years. So, yeah, you know, I, I felt a great weight of responsibility to do a really, really good job. And so that big 75-minute timeline was, it was as exciting a target as it was a daunting target. And this is the problem as well. With if we if we'd gone, we could have said, well, let's add an extra couple of minutes. You know, let, let's just add an extra five minutes. Let's add an extra ten minutes, and then you then you realise that in the real world that means an extra, you know, months worth of work for for, for these guys. Yeah. So so we, there had to be a there had to be a cutoff point, or we would have killed them, and it's not worth. It. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, I, I my guess is, you know, if it was eighty-five minutes long, there'd be somebody saying, "Oh, you missed this bit out." If it was ninety-five minutes long, somebody would say, "Oh, you missed my favorite bit out." You, you know, you, you you could have just taken ten minutes out, and for somebody, it would have been their favorite bit. So, so I guess you you know you, you can't possibly win. The original is some people might know, and some people might not. But the original, when you run it back to back, is one hundred and seventy-two minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even if we'd cut it to ninety or eighty-five or eighty, that's still. A heck of a cut so you you've got to sort of if you're going to do it you may as well really go for it tight 75 minutes in fact it's 74 because there's a montage at the end yeah. tight 74 minutes and you know and, and be bold with it and own it and and make it your own yeah yeah even even the greatest fans of it would probably say that the the second half of the story is kind of a bit saggy in places so you know we've we've we've, we've kind of come to uh, and and actually the, the the cushing telling which is what 80 odd minutes i mean that it doesn't do a bad job of fitting in pretty much you know most of the important plot points yeah and they had they had an advantage i mean they had much more money to start but but they had an advantage that that you know a luxury that we didn't have which is that they, they were able to edit it at the scripting stage yeah we are working with the the material that was shot and edited or, or, or sort of you know vision mix back then so there's a, a sort of a there are some bits that have to remain because characters are going from a to b and, and they can't just you know suddenly appear in a new location there's you know if, if we were starting from scratch at the scripting stage you can make all sorts of different decisions but that wasn't open to us and it was always going to be i think a project that it's tough as, as, as an editor particularly it's tough because you're you're it's very unusual to be editing something where people have seen the rushes they've seen the original footage you know, yeah. a lot of fans watching will have seen the the full 172 minute version, so they will be yeah. watching, going, "Oh, that's bit, bits missing, and that shot's missing, and that." You know, usually when you watch Doctor Who, you don't you don't know what's what was cut at the scripting stage, and you don't know even what was cut at the at the you know the editing stage. People do with this, so it's quite daunting. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you've also got the issue there's with a a 25 minute episode you want to save the big Dalek reveal in the first episode till the end of the episode. It's yeah. a big cliffhanger. It makes total sense to put it there. With what Ben's brief was, there's no way you could just have 25 minutes of episode one and then introduce the Daleks. You need to get to the Daleks pretty pretty quickly. You were constantly, I imagine, Ben, you were constantly looking at your watch thinking, have I, have I got enough time left to tell this story? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then also, I mean, as you as you mentioned, Richard, they, they sort of where it, you say it sags in 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 the middle episodes, and I I know what you mean that there is a point in the story, famously, where they sort of realise they have three or four more episodes left, and so they do it do the whole plot again. Let's go back into the city. So certainly yeah. for the you know for the final act of our version, the final sort of half hour, things speed up quite a bit 
because we have seen them do this already. Yeah, yeah. So, so Timothy, what's your connection then with this particular story? I mean, uh, yeah, what's your history with it? Well, I would have seen it um, back in 2003 for the first time when ABC in Australia did their full repeat of not quite everything that existed. They skipped over a few. So I, I watched you know, from Anna, An Unearthly Child from the very beginning, and I was about 10 years old, basically the perfect age. Right. And... I was hooked from the very first episode, but the Daleks in particular, I was Dalek mad at that age. I mean, I consumed every bit of Dalek media I could find, and the movies were brilliant, and I'd watch this story, the Daleks on VHS, looking absolutely awful, as it did. And it's just always been there, um, as long as I've been mm -hmm. a fan, really. Yeah, and I remember when I was starting to do colorizations, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it must have been about 2017, 18. I tried to do a clip from episode two of the Daleks. Was it episode two? Yes. It's in the cell, the bit right. where Ian is talking to Susan about going out. Straight there, right. straight back. That, that bit. Yeah. And it was rubbish. It was the very first thing I'd ever attempted to do. And then here we are, however many years later, doing that exact same scene. And getting paid to do it is quite remarkable, really. I'm going to it put that up on, it'll go up on Twitter as a comparison at some point I'd like to do to show, you know, here's where it started, here's where it ended up. <laughs> yeah. I, I would never show mine as a comparison, but the, weirdly enough, <laughs> the very first thing I ever attempted, I think, was the, that lovely, this senseless evil killing line from right. uh, William Hartnell, right. and that was obviously... Yeah, that was from the Daleks as well. So I had a very similar moment to you where, yeah, you know, <laughs> fast forward 10 years and here I am actually doing it properly. Doing it I've yeah, started really a number bizarre. of colorizations from the Daleks and they just never finished any of them. Until this one, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> we had to finish this one. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll have <laughs> I think I think it's quite interesting actually that, that what you've brought up there, the straight there, straight back thing. I mean, people have been talking about the the flashbacks that you put in there as if this was kind of like a, a, a strange and new thing. But actually that line is a flashback, you know, it's I mean they 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 say straight there, straight back. And then towards the end of the episode, Susan's hearing it in her head in the TARDIS. So so actually, yeah, I mean it it was a thing that was already in there. And an earthly child does it. If you if you start watching from the beginning, if you're able to do that these days, and watch <laughs> a child, then there, there, there's uh, quite liberal use of, of flashbacks. You would assume that that was house style. You're quite right then in, in the Daleks. They, they do it again with that voiceover from Ian. And then they sort of don't for however many decades. That's sort of it. So I didn't feel, yeah, I, I felt it was at least adhering to house style by putting in a, a few flashbacks. Those flashbacks are there to, to cover editing points. I mean, that that's yeah. with a couple of exceptions. That is why they're there. It's the choice between having, you know, a scene play out for, for two minutes or putting in a flashback and you can cut it to one minute or one and a half minute. And, and actually, if you're saving even 30 seconds when you're trying to get to a tight, you know, 75 minutes, it's worth it's worth doing and you're you're. you're you know, from an editing point of view, you are are pulling every trick in the book, because it, it's you, you know sixties Doctor Who as well as any of us. It's it's it is still, it's fascinating to sort of watch Doctor Who from like nineteen sixty three and then jump forward five six years to sort of sixty eight sixty nine and then another five or six years to the mid seventies and you can see the BBC learning Doctor Who learning how to make modern television drama, because back in sixty three it is still as it's been said a thousand times before, but it is still sort of theatre on screen. And yeah. so you get these long, continuous sort of shots, no, nothing to cut away to. So if, you, yeah. if there's a bit at the beginning of the scene you really want to keep in there, and there's a bit at the end of the scene which you really want to keep in there, but you've got a minute or two in the middle which you want to cut out, but you've got nothing to cut away to, you are having to try and you know play every trick in the book. Mm. Okay. The quality of the original vid video. So we're so we're talking about four or five lines. In some cases, it's also suppressed field, so it's actually half that number of lines, and, and actually some of the lines aren't visible anyway. So I just wonder how did that impact on on being able to colorize it effectively, or, or did, did it make any difference? I mean, I guess you know if you're dealing with the six two five lines from later on, it's it's a higher definition picture. Did did, did it make a difference to you? 
which one of us is going to answer this? <laughs> I'd love to. I, I think any first year restoration is uh, is your bag, Tim. Definitely. All right, I'll 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 talk about this. So I would say if we're looking at it purely from a technical standpoint, the Daleks is a really terrible choice because they got <laughs> right. to suppress field episodes, which is a four or five line picture. Only three hundred and seventy seven of those are actual image. Yeah, and so the pressed field ones—they're 188 lines maximum. That's really—that's nothing, basically. Yeah, and it's very steppy and coarse and horrible. And also, the studio cameras they were using were kind of out of date even then. I mean, they were installed in the mid 50s, and they have mm. very smeary, laggy, noisy pictures. And so you can buy all this together. It's quite difficult whenever whenever anything moves. It just goes fuzzy. And it's really difficult yeah. to keep the colors aligned with the fuzziness. Right. You know, Rich, if you found it similarly challenging, more challenging than pretty much anything else. Yeah, actually, definitely. I mean, a colorization is only as good as the, the image you're applying it to in so yeah. many respects. Like you need to have a nice dynamic range. You need to have a lovely mix of sort of grays in there as well. And the starker the image and the less quality in the image then that's going to reflect in the colorization so yeah it, it was definitely a challenge particularly yeah. on the suppressed build ones but um, this whole project was a challenge so it was just <laughs> something else to, to get to grips with really and yeah. and, and honestly I, we were lucky enough to have episode seven taken out the bfi and rescanned, which was wonderful right um, it, it, we haven't that just doesn't magically give us any more sort of lines of information but it gives us no it's still a suppressed field negative still a, so. it's still suppressed field negative but you it's a better it's it's a better photo of a really bad photo yeah. <laughs> i guess <laughs> we're talking about yeah so it's not that scratched point, up you, like it, exactly it helps from that yeah. point of view um it's and much course, better Tim is a wizard when it comes to restoration and was able to do all sorts of things to episode five and seven. So they will still not look like 65 line or anything like yeah. that. No, no. But if no. you were to have a direct contrast, particularly, I think one of the most noticeable bits, because you really see it on straight lines. And if you were to look at that very final shot with Hartnell sort of dancing around the TARDIS control room, which is just lovely. In the original that you might have on a, a DVD on your shelf at home, you'll see a load of jaggedness to the lines on that. Yeah. And if you were to do, yeah. do a direct compare to what, we're, what we've got in this, you'll, you'll notice how much work has gone into restoring that image. And there's a lot of examples in episode seven where you can yeah. see that. When the two Daleks, one of my shots in the control room, were two Daleks looking into a monitor. Sort of a really nice sort of mid two shot. The original was really jagged you know it, yeah. it caused all sorts of pattern. i think it's like a more a pattern thing on on the control panels and i mean obviously you've got the straight arms of the of the dalek plunger arms are sort of all jaggedy and stepped diagonals diagonals are high contrast but you really yeah. really know really really Very they're really good. really painful to do and when you colorize it you've you can't draw a straight line. You have to kind of colour in the the jaggedy bits because not a straight line. Yeah, you, 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 you've got to you've you've got to apply the colour to the image. Not yeah, you know you can't you can't force it the other way. But what was really good is Tim was able to go in and use some amazing technology to fill in a lot of the information between the lines to make that step this less severe. So yeah. as we say, yeah. you're never going to get, well, maybe we will, hopefully, who knows what technology can do. It's just made the yeah. color, right? So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but in years to come, hopefully that's something that can be worked upon. But as things are, we can't add any more sort of information in, but we can sort of smooth the information that's there. And that's what we're able to do to, to five and seven. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, kind of my, go on. Was to smooth out the edges. They can't really yeah. increase the resolution, but you can make the, artifacts less apparent and um, especially because we're cutting it up with the other episodes i felt it was really important to try and make it a bit more consistent and um, so there weren't massive jumps in quality as it was going along sure you know a tribute to that i think is that it wasn't immediately obvious to me you know except in retrospect that i knew that the episode seven was of lower quality but it actually watching it it didn't seem to make that that big a difference. I, I, th I think you'd, you'd made a great job of making that much less visible. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the about the colours as well because I mean they are 
they're they're beautiful. They are kind of really they make the whole thing look more alien. I think in in a lot of places, and yeah, I, I, I suppose they they're beyond our imagining as well. So, so it's it's much more like I suppose the TV twenty one Dalek strips. I suppose that than perhaps the color photos from the the sets. Do you want to talk a bit about how you you made those choices and and so on? As I was a kid in a sweet shop. Really, imagine being told that you know you can come up with color palettes for how this the first appearance of the Daleks gets to look. You know that's quite quite scary because you know you know it's something that people care about deeply, as do I. But also, wow, I mean, I get to choose <laughs> what the control panels look like and all of that sort of stuff. So, I, I had some very early meetings with Phil. I had I brought my laptop along and I showed him a lot of stuff. I think from the original Star Trek. Uh, from Batman, yeah, and um, yeah, I then showed a lot of how that could be applied to the Daleks. It was some of it's really straightforward. Like you could look at the jungle from Planet of the Daleks if you wanted the sort of TV yeah. version, or you could really go for it. And you can go for you know what did they do in the movie? How did that look? What do those colours look like? I personally, I want to go for a really bold palette here because it's such a sort of heightened experience it's 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 a completely nuts story if you sit down and actually look at what's going on the whole thing is mad this doctor's sort of kidnapped two school teachers taking them to a distant planet that they do not want to be on and they want to leave immediately and it's tricked them into getting captured by these aliens so the whole thing is completely nuts and i really wanted to sort of reflect the the 60s i didn't live through the 60s so this is my sort of interpretation of the 60s with all the bright colors all the lava lamps all the sergeant pepper sort of paraphernalia that comes to mind when i think of the 60s and put that into the color palette so it wasn't a, a dictatorship of course you know we just did discuss it as teams we sent stuff over to bad wolf and we said look we've got palette a b c d what do you think sometimes they went palette a is perfect go with that sometimes they said oh i like this element from b and this element from d could we have another mock-up that combines the two etc so that was yeah. really really fun well. a lot of discussion about the console wasn't there i seem to, I seem to remember about there was green or whether it should be white and that seems like of course it, of course we should we were right i think to make it white it's never yeah. to be green narratively and it's who's yeah. original gag, isn't it? That it's a battered blue police box on the outside, and inside it's a, a, a you know a, a gleaming white spaceship. But all those sorts of discussions and what color do we make Barbara's blouse and 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 all that. But but I, I've said this elsewhere. But but I now genuinely when when I see clips of the of the black and white Daleks episodes, it now feels like as of a work in progress print. It's like the the color version now is is it may as well have always been in sort of glorious color. Because the work that sort of Rich and, and Tim and Scott have done is is just sort of mind blowing. That is the version that that lives on in my imagination now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to I have to say I agree with that. And it's just so many elements of it where you can look, for example, at the original color photography that was taken. I think it was Ray yeah. who set took some photos and color, but he would have six photos from parts. Yeah, yeah, which is all, they're, they're a fascinating insight. But the, you know the. The brief was to make the Daleks in colour, not a documentary about the Daleks in colour. So it didn't <laughs> necessarily have to go for the absolutely authentic colours. But you could also... You... It's like holes, aren't they, out of those actual onset colours? It's like there's Rich. metallic and blue. It's, it's, it's very, it's everything's blue, pale blue. But... Everything's pale blue. So yeah, you... But you know, really... claws. <laughs> but the TARDIS console uh, room is actually a, a perfect example of where we took the blue floor, because that's what it was on set. But we decided to go for the uh, for the for the white console because that was what they were hoping to achieve. So it's sort of a, a, a perfect sort of encapsulation of where we could lean in on the original colours but have some artistic interpretation of them as well. And ultimately it came down to what, what do we think looks best. It's that is at the end of the day, but you know, there were, there were, I remember listening to one of Toby Haydick's podcasts where he talks he happened to talk about the colour of the flower that students Oh, yes. at the beginning he found out somehow what color it was so i immediately messaged rich and went this is the color we got it's incredible isn't it so there's that level of attention what, what, what color was it that they found out i think they made it i think the, the sort of the orangey was i think like, it was an I, orange I but i'll have to read no it's kieran that was kieran yeah, yeah he did all the absolutely brilliantly it's about finding out where we can what the original colors were 
bearing it in mind, but ignoring it if we think it would look better in a different colour. Simple as that. Yeah. Really yeah. is. And, and and that's twice as true when you're talking about characters as well, because you've got to think about how they're going to look in every single set. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Yes, been... so historically, if you're if you're if you're adhering to the colours that they stuck with at the time, you have three female characters in this story, all of whom are wearing blue. You've got yeah. Barbara in blue. You've got Susan in blue. You've got Dione the Thal, which they made Terry Nation write in. Because I think he'd written entire. It wasn't. It? He wrote entire. Uh, they were all men, the Thals, and I think he was yeah. made to go back and do it again. You've got to include at least one woman, Terry. Come on, <laughs> uh, all dressed in blue, and again, you you want just a bit of sort of a bit of variety there, especially when you're putting, you know, throwing Barbara into the caves or all mm. those sort of bluey corridors. You don't really want to wearing a blue top as well. Sure. Need a bit of contrast. <laughs> Did you ever think about the sort of wider colours of the Cushing movies for the Daleks themselves, or is it kind of just so clear that that Dead Planet Daleks are blue uh, or silver with blue spheres? I, I considered it briefly. Like I think Ben and I sort of half joked in a let's sort of fill this out a bit way. But what if one of them was red, you know, and that was in charge? And then yeah. it soon became ridiculously complicated and how we'd actually achieve that and how that would work in the story and all of that sort of stuff. Sure. But it was, I don't think, a serious conversation. I think we were always going to make the Daleks silver and blue uh, because... Red one in the end. There's a red one in the montage at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, I, I, I did, I did, yeah, I did do that. Actually, I put... Barbara in a blue top montage. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. There was a few moments there, particularly the montage, where you could be a bit of fun. But I thought these original Daleks are so iconic. Yeah. You don't need to change them. They're they're just they're works of art as they are. Yeah, I I, I don't think I would have been comfortable making the hemispheres red or something like that. You know, they're silver and blue and they look yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, the other thing I was thinking about is, is this it must be really difficult because there's so much, uh, particularly in those early episodes of high contrast, you get the the bright light that the Doctor goes into in the Dalek control room. There's quite a lot of contrast also in the room they're in just before that they meet the Daleks for the first time. You can sort of see a lot of that going on. And, and I guess trying to work out what colours things should be with those that amount of contrast must be quite tricky. I feel like I've been talking too much there, Tim. Do you want to challenge Well, I, I didn't work on any of the scenes you've just been talking about. Well, I can. I can start, and then you yes. can jump in if you like. The radiation room scene is one uh, yeah. that is really difficult to colourise. It's really, really dark with massively bright spotlights, and you've got actors moving in and out of them. And there's no way you can get out of that because it's a huge plot point. You know, that is where they discover they've got radiation sickness, and then they yeah. walk through the door to discover the darlings. You know, you, you can't do much. certainly can't remove it. So yeah, it was that was a very difficult scene to colorize. I I did the uh, interrogation of the Doctor in the in the bright pink light, and uh, and lastly when he's yeah. actually caught in the Dalek base. And you know there are times where you're working on that is a little bit frustrating because of the quality of the footage in mid shots or long shots, particularly at that you know towards the end of the story the quality mm -hmm. of the footage isn't quite there and so you know i put the pink light on and you're losing a bit of detail in hartnell's face but then when you jump back to the close-up for senseless evil killing and all of that sort of stuff you know they're close enough to be able to get that finer detail back in so you can you know you can be a little bit more gentle on how you colorize it you can add those details back in so True. yes when there is high contrast Tim may disagree, but personally, I find that a lot harder to work with. I like gradients that gradually move. I think that's how things are done nicely yeah. when you add a little bit of colour to the cheekbones, etc. When you can't see the cheekbones, it's an issue. It's easier. It's much easier to colourise it when you can see it, basically. If yeah, you yeah. can't really see what you're doing, you're kind of guessing, and yeah, it's a challenge. I, I was quite lucky that most of the stuff that I did was fairly evenly lit. So we didn't have to deal with crazy contrast too much. Or Scott had to. He did the radiation yeah, yeah, scene, and, the, and he had to do the caves Scott, with the rope. Scott all of the dark scenes, didn't he? Um, he did. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> that that you know that was intentional. When I was divvying up who could do what, I thought that would play to uh, Scott's strengths. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah, but yes, I did all the TARDIS scenes, all of the stuff in the cell, which was most of what I did. What else did I do? 
Well, I'm wandering around the corridors and yeah, a bit of corridor stuff. The corridor stuff. Oh, well, the escaping the heist sequence. What people are calling it online, where they're escaping up the lift shaft. That's my favourite bit. Mm. <laughs> it's just brilliant. I remember when I watched Ben's first edit, that bit, and that came up. I just thought, oh, this is just joyous i mean how many times have i watched it i was like watching it again for the first time it was just oh, <laughs> so much fun i found the, the really bright reds bright reds are really hard to do and there are so many bright reds in that sequence so yeah that was... mm-hmm. yeah i stitched you up a little bit there didn't i because i did now actually ben you couldn't tell me if this is true but when you first sent your edit over to bad wolf you took my Daleks YouTube video with them blasting through the door. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, it, what was you'd you'd colorize that that final bit of the as they're escaping up the lift shaft and the and the Daleks blast down the door, and so in the very first pass that I sent to Bad Wolf, just to sort of show off, you know, what is possible and how thrilling it is to suddenly see something go from black and white into color. The the version that yes, I sent I sent to Phil and Russell had that in the middle that just just 60 seconds where it goes into color and they weren't expecting it Mm. and so the the impact that that had on them was something that we all wanted to sort of keep in mind and try to retain as the project went on that sudden thrill of seeing something go from black and white into color seeing you know even not just necessarily the transformation itself but seeing things in color you know it, it, it informed the edit sometimes that we're like well we could have you know we could keep in this scene of the fowls chatting with the doctor and, and Ian and, and Barbara and Susan. But really, you know, we want to see this monster or we want to see this set. We want to, we want a bit of the of the of them walking through the marshes. We want to see that the thrill of finally seeing that in colour. Of course we need to see that creature rise out of the swamp, but even though it's cuttable, he is cuttable and he's only there for a couple of shots. And then you yeah. you can see the pump under him, but you still you you wanna, you know, you wanna get him in there. So yeah, it's about trying to tap into the really thing he's in colour for the first time. You can't cut that creature. That's a well, brilliant that's a, creature. You can't cut that's that's creature. Creature. You can't cut that bit. You can't. The, 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 there are still people cost me <laughs> food machine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, of Good. course, that left him with the unenviable job of having to match my colours that I'd done sort of two years right. previously or something. Yeah. Because it went from my shot to, to his shot to my shot to his shot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that, that, that's just... That's a sequence deal. where that the most people actually worked on the one single sequence. So we were generally we divided up by where the, what the set was, but we had yeah. pretty much everyone working on that particular sequence. I think, but yeah, certainly I was I was a matching colours that you had done in a YouTube video, however many years previous, which was I've never had to do anything like that before, so I've never had to match other people's colorization. So that was a bit of a challenge to do, but I think we I think it all works. I think you raised the challenge. It, I think it all knits together. No, I also think we need to give a lot of credit to <laughs> I think we need to give a lot of credit to Kieran Hyman as well because he was doing our grade for us as we went to make sure that my work, Scott's work, Tim's work and his work all sort of felt uniform and that right. is unbelievably difficult to do Like there was, there was tricks that we pulled to try and keep it you know we all working off the same colours and palettes obviously and I think there's that wonderful scene where Susan enters the TARDIS and the doors are open and you see the jungle outside so yeah. the TARDIS is Tim's set the jungle is Kieran's set so they just Tim did his bit and then Kieran just did the jungle on top you know so when she leaves yeah, the TARDIS no, no, no. it's completely consistent to the outside. Yeah. So I, I sent Kieran uh, frames like, can you do the jungle bit so that it matches? And he did. And I just kept it as it was and added the blue lightning, of course. But yeah, it was. I don't think there were many shots like that. It's rare to see one set in the background of another set, but the TARDIS is. We do see the TARDIS set, don't we? In one of, one of the long pans. Oh, in episode seven, you mean? Mm. Yes, yeah. I spotted that. Mistakes we let I've never in. seen that before until mm. the colorized version. Yes, you can see a bit of TARDIS in the background in the Dalek control room in episode seven, but it, <laughs> it's so kitsch and perfect. Why those, yeah, yeah. those kitsch moments we thought, well, yeah, yeah, got it. I mean, the other thing yeah. that we were going to at one point, Russell initially suggested that we should sort of standardize what the Daleks call their. Cameras are they ranger scopes, laser scopes? Terry Nation just keeps changing his mind in between episodes, and then he decided he came to sort of rewrite those lines for the you know bit of ADR and, and 
uh, you know, for some extra lines for Nick Briggs and for David Graham to record and didn't quite have the heart to, to standardize it. There was something quite nice about the messiness uh, of, of Terry Nation's original where it, they, they, they just have about a hundred different names for those things. Laserscopes yeah. and hybriscopes and the files yeah. have legiscopes and lots of scopes. All sorts. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you were bold enough to leave in some of those cardboard Daleks as well, actually. I, I hadn't kind of noticed that first time through, but yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's all sort of part of the uh, the original, isn't it? Was there an intention to replace those? I didn't do those scenes, so I, I don't really know. The thing with the, with the cardboard Daleks, it's, it's whether you could have replaced them convincingly. You, yeah, you can yeah. sort of paint out the bottoms of them, but they're still very, very static. And so you may as well embrace the the cardboard bases as well there are other bits where as you'll have seen you know that some of the joins between the background flat and the studio floor we've painted out and yeah sorts of other little bits and pieces going on lots of correction to the dalek lights so they now do flash in time with the dialogue but there's a limit to, to how much of that you want to do my favorite yeah. fix that we applied in the whole thing by a mile is an extermination right at the end they applied the effect wrong so the foul gets shot and then he lands on the floor and then the inversion happens and Kieran went in and he fixed it so that the thou is inverted as he's being shot and then as he lands on the floor it goes back to how wow. it should be so yeah there's there's lots of little things like that if you were to ever watch it with the original and compare it you can see where you know we've gone in and sort of we mm. try to be quite thoughtful when we do those things yeah. but we've done those things nonetheless yeah you mentioned, Timothy, that the Barbara gets sort of trapped scene right right at the very start of the thing. I mean, what, what I loved about that was there was definitely enough of that to have that kind of creeping menace feel to it. And But also I liked the way that the soundtrack was kind of sympathetic to the original. You know, there's the additional Mark Ayres music in there that's sort of adding to it. But it, it didn't, you know, it felt very much, yeah, in sympathy with, 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 uh, with the Tristram Carey stuff. Yeah, I think that's what Mark was sort of aiming for throughout. I mean, again, the, the note from Russell and Phil to Mark, it was the same note he gave to me doing the edit. It was the same note that he gave to these guys doing the colorization, which is be bold with it. We want to be respectful and we're all huge fans of 60s Doctor Who, but you can't be so respectful that you end up doing nothing with it and you have to treat it like a piece of 2020s television because it's... I mean, we're all here on this podcast. We're massive Doctor Who nerds, but it's the other hundreds of thousands of people who are watching it on the telly that we've also got to bear in mind. So you've got to make decisions when it comes to the editing and the colour and the sound design, and the music that will work for today's 12-year-old, today's 16-year-old, today's, you know, 36-year-old as well. It, it's the it's the not-wheeze as well, which we're, we're very much hoping that this has been a, or will prove to be a gateway drug to all the rest of 60s Doctor Who. But we've got to reel people in in the first place. And that's what Mark, I think, was... I don't want to speak for Mark, but that's what Mark was aiming for with his music, I think. Yeah. I, I love also the the opening titles, uh, this sort of slightly psychedelic feel that you get with that additional bit of colour in them. Uh, and again, the you know, slight augmentation of the sound, but very sympathetic to the uh, Delia Derbyshire original. Yeah, very nice. Those, those, the, the, the opening was was the biggest nightmare ever because as you know after the titles it goes into that weird what is it what's, what's that effect solar solarized it is solarized i think it's so yeah sort of crucial 20 seconds they're stepping out of the tardis you cannot edit around it and we tried is is right. it's solarized black and white i know you know yeah. them, i know what they were aiming for but they never ever did that in doctor who again and there's a reason why <laughs> oh, in the end it was sort of I think it was Russell who went, look, we're trying to be so clever to find ways of editing around this and there are things we can do with the color or CG or let's just kind of embrace it and leave it in. So we have the the, the titles opening in color because you've got to, because that's what people expect, yeah. Daleks in color. But then we fade to black and white and we play out the opening other than the, the captions that appear on screen. We play out the opening sort of 20, 30 seconds in black and white, in weird solarized black and white at that before it then sort of Wizard of Oz style explodes beautiful yeah i had written down here wizard of oz it does it, 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 i guess you have that kind of sense of it uh, even if it's inadvertent mm. i mean there's a version yeah. of this when we were talking about how we can cut it down how we can afford to do this how we don't you know kill rich and, and tim and scott and how we allow them to have social lives and life you know time with their families over over the course of the year there was an initial discussion about could we like play out the 
the first of the five ten minutes in black and white, and maybe it only explodes into colour when they enter the Dalek city. But then, again, you know, you're you're billing this as the Daleks in colour. You you, you yeah. need to be colour pretty much from the off. You can't make people wait another ten minutes before they get to see. I mean, again, this is we had to keep reminding ourselves that this isn't just for Doctor Who fans. This is for the more casual viewer and future Doctor Who fans. So yeah, colour from the off. It's certainly uh, it's got a, a whoop from the in-laws when the in-laws watch it, and it sort of sort of blossoms into colour. There was a there was a ripple of applause. They're all very happy. A lot of notwees. Like maybe I, I maybe people are assuming that all black and white Doctor Who was shot like that, like the solarized twenty seconds. <laughs> maybe they've done the most incredible restoration work, and I'm happy to let them let let them think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean how i guess how fantastic for for you that it it became the main event on the anniversary day you know it, i mean it's 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 the one piece of new doctor who that that was being shown on that day wasn't it which was i i think great i was really surprised that we're going to get the 23rd really i was amazed my first well, time did, i don't know what it was because these guys were sort of nearing the end of, well, nearing the end, they're a few months away from... But two two nice things happened at once. One was that we heard that that it would be on TV and and on the 23rd, which is partly a quirk of, of, of the calendar as well. Yeah, yeah. Star Beast went out on, you know, it had to be Saturday night and the nearest Saturday was the 25th. Uh, yeah. So we were lucky there. If it had been 10 years ago, then we'd have probably, you know, been on the 21st or something like that. And the other thing is that that we heard that we were going to get to do another one for next year, which we're, we're sort of currently starting work on. And that was sort of the, just the, the loveliest sort of show of support from the BBC. The people who make those decisions are... Well, everyone's a Doctor Who fan, but they're not—they're not Doctor Who fans like us. The, the, this is someone who, who you know, the, the people who made those decisions saw the work that Rich and 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 Kieran and Scott and Tim had been doing, and went, "Yeah, we'll 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 have another one of these for next year." So that was a, a lovely sort of show of confidence from from the BBC. So we're very lucky. And what about reaction? You know, I mean, how how is it? How has it been for the last week? Uh, yeah, what what's your experience been of of the reaction to it? Thursday night, it goes crazy. I've never quite had anything where I've done things for sort of online before where I did some stuff for Channel 4 back in the day where episodes would go up each week, but but it would be on the streaming platform. So people would sort of watch at some point that evening or maybe catch up the next day or in the next week. But this was the first time I've experienced, you know, something I've made going out on the telly for hundreds of thousands of people to to watch and see if sort of, you know, I, I was watching it go out on the television while I had sort of Twitter open and there's a lot of noise. But the reaction seems to seems to have been mostly really good. We knew I mean we knew going in that I, I was asked when I was first brought on board, which is about two years ago, I was asked to sort of prepare a document just talking about how we could do it and throwing around all sorts of ideas. And one of the things I said right at the top of that was that what we are doing is sacrilegious. <laughs> And we know it. And we knew we knew two years ago that a lot of people would love this. Some people wouldn't. And Ian Levine really wouldn't. And we knew that going in. And and the, the reaction has sort of blown us away. What's been absolutely lovely is how many kids seem to have watched and stuck with it for the 75 minutes. That's sort of, you know, validating, vindicating Russell's vision, which was when he came back as showrunner, not just to sort of bring David and Catherine back and, and cut a new Doctor and a whole new era. It was to revitalise the archive. And you've seen the first part of that with everything going up on iPlayer and things like Tales of the TARDIS. But this sort of colorization project was a big part of that too. And to hear that mm -hmm. so many people's sort of five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and 16-year-olds have, have, have been watching has just been glorious the twitter reaction seems to have been mostly really positive instagram reaction seems to be audience reaction lovely within 20 minutes of the end credits rolling the telegraph had already posted a five-star review which is amazing i should point out star beast two two days later only got four stars from the telegraph so there we go you go on to you know gallifrey based doctor who forum and of course the opinion is more mixed yeah. what was lovely though i will say and this is god's honest truth is i did I did briefly check out 
Yes, I think the first yeah. I picked a page at random to see what people were saying. The first post was really nice. The second one was really angry about it. The next one was sort of really nice. And there were a couple more angry ones, a couple more nice ones. But each one, and I think it was maybe just luck of the draw, the page I picked at random. But the first angry post I saw said that they, they didn't like it. They didn't approve, especially of the of the cut down edit. But they were sat there with their girlfriend who'd never seen any 60s Doctor Who before. And she really loved it. But hey. And then the next angry post said that they didn't like it, but they had been watching with their two and seven-year-old who were transfixed. So, quoting that verbatim, I promise. And the next <laughs> one, you said they didn't like it. They, uh, they they didn't like it, but their sister, who'd never seen Doc 2 before, called them to say that she absolutely loved it. And so I was starting to notice a bit of a pattern there, and then I, I logged out of Gallifrey Base and haven't been back. But I, I, I think if we can sort of get people's... Really <laughs> ...six-year-olds, and, you know, if we can get them watching... We've done a good job. And also five stars from the Telegraph. That's not bad. Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? And it was, it's the most subjective thing ever. I was reading some of the posts. Uh, some of the, the massive swing in opinion was just absolutely amazing to see. Some people said, um, I was watching it with, I think I was watching it with my wife or something, and she didn't even realise it had been colourised. And then, which was particularly <laughs> nice. Like and that was and that was followed by... This is the worst colorization job I have ever seen in my life. So I think possibly the truth about somewhere, somewhere in the middle, and I won't get too offended by that. But it's it's just you know it's one of those things. Some people were delighted at certain color decisions. Some people hated those color decisions. But it it caused loads of debate. And I think the people who are going to debate those sorts of things that's wonderful and that's valid and that's great. But that's not who really who this was made for. It was definitely made for the not we as a sort of, hey, look, check this out. Doctor Who's got this rich and amazing tapestry that you can log into and enjoy. And yeah, and I think the reaction has been, and maybe I follow the right people on Twitter, but the reaction I've seen has been has been really positive. It's been, it's been thrilling. It's been absolutely amazing. It's tricky, isn't it? Because people, most of the, like, you can sit here and say, well, the, most of the people who've messaged us loved it. Yeah, well, they would. People are nice. Mostly people are nice. You're, you're only going to get the odd person who messages you to say they've just watched what you've made and they hate it. That's happened a couple of times, but it's rare. You need to hang out in the corners of the internet and on those Twitter threads where people don't know you're reading. And it's been really heartening to see that the vast majority do seem to have embraced it and seem to have enjoyed it very much. So that's been nice. Mm. Yes. That that been your experience too, Tim? Generally, yes. I mean, all I've seen are what other people have posted about it online because all of my friends and family are in Australia and they haven't seen it yet. Um, so I have no sort of first-hand reactions, but um, everything I've seen online, well, most of what I've seen online has been really very positive. And like you say, people saying their children or wives or girlfriends or you know, non-fans really, really enjoying it. And that is who it's for and so we we've sort of succeeded in what we set out to do which is always very gratifying yeah. to know that we've succeeded and that people like you and also yeah. you've got you've got it that you know it, it's it's a big team which extends beyond us and at the top of that team is russell and phil and so although it's been delightful that people have embraced it we shouldn't be surprised really because it's like they do know, Russell and Phil do know what they're, they do know how to make TV that people will watch and enjoy. They've some yeah. experience and a few, you know, quite a few BAFTAs and things between them to, to demonstrate that fact. So, so they, they yeah, they, they were right, I think, in their, in their instincts. And I just love Russell's sort of dedication to, sure, I'll come back and make, you know, make Doctor Who again, but we are not going to neglect the 60 years of amazing Doctor Who that's been made before. And the new episodes don't, the new, the new episodes are as, well, you, you've seen this, last week's was an adaptation of a 1980 DWM comic strip, but I yeah. that he's he's wanting to revitalize those 60s and 70s and 80s stories alongside sort of making a huge success of David's and, and, and Shooty's eras as well. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And you've become part of canon now. I mean, you're, you're part of the Hooniverse, so that must be pretty exciting as well. Which version is canon? <laughs> both, both. We've just done with it enough that 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 which which version is canon? That's what that's that's a, that'll be a debate for the ages. I I get I get to share credit with William Hartnell. That's all I'm worried about. That's brilliant. Didn't think that would happen. Do you know it hadn't occurred to me. That is actually fantastic. Yeah, 
Well, I know I looked. I, I I looked online because I you know I wanted to watch it again on the iPlayer, and you you go on there and it's the Daleks in color. The Daleks they're side by side. You know, you, you, they're both Canon. You choose. It's lovely, isn't it? And and I got the uh, the honor of because we recorded new lines with David Graham. That so so myself and Mark Ayres went to David Graham's house and he recorded some new lines of Dalek dialogue for us. And so not only do I share a credit on screen with William Hartnell, but I got to play William Hartnell. I got to play the <laughs> doctor opposite David Graham delivering his Dalek lines because someone needed to read in the doctor's lines. Yeah. I think that's what I said. Someone needs to read in the doctor's lines. They very much do this. Mark has a microphone in his hand. I think this this yeah. be me. So that was, you know, that was the greatest day of of my year. Made made a little very yeah. happy. And and he's also he's also Charlie the barman, wasn't he, in uh, the Gunfighter? So he, he acted opposite Hartnell as well as doing the Dalek voices. Yeah, he's done. And also, you're, you're, we often talk about Doctor. You know, the history of Doctor Who is the history of television, and there's a lot of truth in that. The history of David Graham is the history of of television as well. So to have him, you know, the sprightly ninety eight come 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 back and and do some new lines of Dalek dialogue written by Russell, it's the sort of thing that only this show could do. Bestriding the eras in quite that way was was magical. I, w- I was I was saying to you Ben when we met that um, David Graham is you know Grandpa Pig mm. to to my daughter and Parker to my dad. Uh, And to me, the the original voice of Daleks, you know, just what an incredible career. And to get him to return to that role for this was absolutely surreal. Brilliant. The whole thing's been brilliant. I I can't believe it. It's been such a privilege. Well, look, thank you so much, uh, all three of you, for for, for sharing your thoughts and your experiences in, in, in making this. It's been fascinating talking to you and... I'm sure the listeners will, will will have got a lot out of that. Just you know, understanding a bit more about some of the creative choices that you made and 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 uh, and how you went about it. So, so thanks so much. Pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Oh, all right. Yeah. Love to chat with you. Thanks, thanks everyone. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.